Well, it is appropriate to talk about setbacks, the problems that can come unexpectedly on the road. Every now and then something silly happens. This moment, I happen to get stuck in a sand dune up to my axles. We'll talk about that and more in podcast 1049, the Bob Davis podcast. By the way, the uh, we're on the other side of the Chocolate Mountains where I am now. Now, before when I was at Slab City, I was on the western side of the Chocolate Mountains. We're now east slightly of the Chocolate Mountains. And this is where the Air Force and the Navy and the Marines practice bombing. So the bomb runs are actually over here and they're out in the desert and you're not supposed to go out there. And no one really does, oddly enough. But you'll hear the the, the planes. They're high enough that you, what's really cool is you can't see them, but you can hear them. So when we were over on the on the western side, that seemed to be pretty much the province of the Marines, and there were helicopters and uh, and various other flying machines uh, and and troop movements over there by Slab City. Here it seems to be just uh, fighters. So that's that's what you're hearing in the background, and I think that's kind of a cool sound. You can hear them, but you can't see them. That's how high up they are. So we're going to talk about setbacks and other unexpected developments in Podcast 1049, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Well, it's good to be uh, starting the podcast by thanking people who have made contributions to the Bob Davis Podcast at thebobdavispodcast.com. If you want to um, make a contribution, donation, you go to thebobdavispodcast.com. Look down the right-hand side column. You'll see a picture of Mobile Podcast Command. And then there's a little yellow donate button. Click on it and you can make a contribution. You can make a donation that's reoccurring or you can just make a a donation. And I am very appreciative of just about anything. Lately, uh, Don Anger uh, just sent me 25 bucks. He's starting a new adventure. We'll talk about that at some point. I'm going to thank Don's friend, John, and that's all I'm going to say. John, you know who you are and thank you for doing what you did. I appreciate that. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, appreciate it very, very much. And again, thanks for making donations to the Bob Davis Podcast. If you want to help the podcast, the best thing to do is to subscribe to the Bob Davis Podcast at iTunes. We're on the Audible platform and the uh, Alexa platform, as well as Google Podcasts. Spotify are the best platforms and right off the page at thebobdavispodcast.com. Shout out to my guys at 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station at 36th Street South and South Lindale Avenue in South Minneapolis. They're community focused, which means we're getting into summer. They do a lot of really fun um, things. They do a lot of fun uh, festivals and things like that. They have this thing called Gremlin Fest. I don't know if they're going to do it this year. I hope so. But, you know, people, somebody said to me the other day, I was explaining what Gremlin Fest was all about. And they were like, there are still gremlins around. And I said, apparently there are. It's pretty cool. They do stuff like that. But the whole thing with 36 Lynn is, A, it's an independent refueling station, which means that it is, uh, they, they can get their fuel at a lower cost, which they can pass on to customers. And even at these elevated prices, at least you can save some bucks. But the store is the whole deal. Check out the store. They've got locally sourced products. They are absolutely meticulous about that. And say hi to the guys at 36 Lynn in South Minneapolis. 36 Lynn, check them out online at 36lynn.com or click on their banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com. Before I start, I should mention, yeah, this is podcast 1049. I skipped 1049 and went straight to 1050. Kind of an even number. It happens, but it lets you know the state of mind. 
before I decided to uh, head out and not really paying attention to details. Let's just put it that way. And I got all these messages. Hey, where's 1049? Well, this is it. A little out of order, but we're getting it done. Podcast 1049. And I want to talk about setbacks. So this is a long story, but uh, it's a pretty good story. Nothing really earth shattering, but this is the kind of stuff that happens. So I was over in the Kofa National Wildlife Reserve. That's when I did, well, I called it Kofi. I kept calling it Kofi. It's Kofa. Some people uh, call it Kofi. Some people call it Kofa. But it actually is Kofa. It's the Kofa Mountains. And there are four or five, six entrances into the National Wildlife Reserve along Arizona 95, coming uh, south from Quartzsite to Yuma or north from to Quartzsite from Yuma. And there are a couple of different ones, Crystal Mountain, um, Palm Canyon, Castle Dome, among others. And they're all pretty spectacular. You go pretty far back in the desert and... It's really quiet and very enjoyable to be out there. I went to Palm Canyon. Palm Canyon is a site where there is just a canyon where a group of uh, naturally occurring palm trees are, and it's really neat. But the the real draw for me at Kofa, and particularly at Palm Canyon, were the rock formations on top of these mountains, which appear to be almost like a Parthenon up there. They look like columns, some kind of you know, religious site up there. And that's really cool. So I really enjoyed myself at, uh, at Kofa. But I thought, you know, it's time for a new adventure. I need to cut loose of Quartzsite and just go. Which I'm kind of fixed, so it's kind of hard for me to... You know, keep in mind, I've been in Quartzsite since uh, October. Uh, so being, uh, getting, leaving was emotional surprisingly and you know quartzite has been called a shanty town and everything else which i i just love quartzite i think it's great so i went back to quartzite got some uh ice and water and some other stuff and got my last couple of steaks from the coyote market forgot to get firewood but that's okay and decided well i'm gonna head out and i spent a hundred bucks to fill up before i left fuel is now cheap enough that a hundred bucks did a pretty good job filling me up and very happy to have a fuel tank, a full fuel tank, and headed south towards Yuma. Get down to Yuma, go to the Walmart, more supplies, water, and so forth. And then headed west on 8 to the Imperial Dunes, which is where everybody was, is. And I thought, well, this will be fun to have a new adventure. And I thought everybody was... So there's an entrance to the Imperial Dunes recreation area right after you get into California on the 8. It's like exit 115. So I get off and I go to this campground that's right there and there's nobody around. I thought, what the heck? You know, this doesn't make sense. So I'm texting people and they're telling me, no, 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 we're over here. And at the same time, I found this really cool thing. It was like a monument, and there's this big sort of rectangular uh, thing of um, of railroad ties, which were held together by these metal strips. And 
it wasn't that big, but I, I saw it and I was like, well, that's kind of cool. And so I went over and read the plaque and it said, uh, this is a commemoration of the Plank Road. And the Plank Road apparently was how they got cars and trucks across the dunes long before they built the highways, let alone the superhighway. And I thought that was really uh, interesting. So these dunes, the Imperial, California Imperial Sand Dunes, which are at about the same longitude as San Diego. Route 8 goes to San Diego. I-8 goes to San Diego. So uh, they, I thought they were, I don't know, the result of climate or you know the mountains or whatever. Apparently, they are because of the winds. So this is sand from the Colorado River Valley that has blown over here over the years. And it is it keeps getting bigger, by the way. And these dunes are now something like 40 miles across and about, well, no, they're about 40 miles long and 15, 20 miles across, something to that effect, roughly. I thought, well, this is, uh, I need a new adventure and this is going to be something that's going to be great. Be careful what you pray for. So I realized they weren't here. I figured out where they were after some texting and get on one, get on back on eight and go all the way up to the Brawley exit, which is like one, one exit 157 or something like that, which is pretty far. The whole time I'm really pissed because I'm using fuel. This is part of the issue. I don't know if you're traveling, uh, but and I know that there are people starting to travel this summer. And when you pay $4 or $6 or you know whatever for diesel or for gas and you're driving and you're watching that meter, you know that, that fuel gauge come down, it's really frustrating because you're like, God, now I got to fill up again. It's got to cost me another hundred dollars. And all I can think about is the cost of travel. And I'm getting really pissed instead of just looking at the map, which would have taken, taken me up S 34 directly to 78. I could have come right up here to, um, where we all are now, but instead I go to Brawley, I go up and over Brawley, come back down about, I come back out on 78 about, I don't know, 25 miles, 20 miles, something like that to get here so i pull into this campground this is a blm campground here Cahuila, i think it's called and there's a ranger station etc and i pull in and i see this hill and so uh, you know the thing that you're supposed to do with campers or off any vehicle that you have when you pull into a new campground you don't just go charging off in a particular direction Bad things can happen, and bad things have happened to me. I've lost tires, you know. And you get out, you look around, you kind of walk the road a little bit and figure out where you are and what the, the terrain is, what's the, what's the situation. And I didn't do that. I saw this hill. I saw my friend Sandy who's parked down here in the flat, and I thought, you know, I'm just... I'm going to come down this hill and make a great entrance. I was super excited, forgot all about my, you know, angst about fuel, start coming down the hill. And within about five seconds, I knew I was going to get stuck. I felt like I was getting stuck. And I thought, I'm going to just, what do I do? I just, I'm going to power down, man, and make it down the hill. I know if I power down my, no, not with all-terrain tires. You're just going to spin, get traction, go deeper in the sand. I tried to back up. No, that's not going to work. And I was frantic. The truck is still running. I'm out. I get my shovel. I start trying to shovel the sand out, you know. And finally, 
I just shut it off because it was up to its axles in the sand. And now I know the only way is just going to be that I'm going to have to call a tow truck. Man, I was ticked off. Why did this happen? You know that feeling that you have at when something happens, you think, God, if I just hadn't had turned left that or come five minutes later, or if I had just stopped and got out and looked around. I mean, I had no one else to blame but myself. So I came down and, you know, said hello to Sandy. We're talking. And I just was like, I'll call a tow truck tomorrow. So I stayed up in this dune all night and it was fine. And uh, the next day I, uh, I contacted my insurance agent and said, you know, I don't know what the plan here is, but this is what yada, yada, yada. And we'll see what ends up happening. But they said, you know, send us the bill. We'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. We'll try to cover it, whatever. So I have to call a tow truck company. And the thing is, this is a heavy truck. This is uh, at least 10,000 pounds. And the back end is very heavy. So, you know, and we're, we're, we're buried enough in the sand. It has about a foot of clearance, maybe even more. I literally could open the door and step right out onto the sand. There was no drop down at all. The truck, instead of being like pointed down the hill, was basically level. So it was pretty far in the sand. So I just thought, well, okay. So they, the tow truck guy has to come out with a semi, like a tractor size, uh, heavy recovery vehicle because this thing is too heavy. I said to him, well, you're gonna pull from the front. And he was like, no, because, because if I pull this thing from the front, you're far enough deeper in the sand, it'll probably pull the thing apart. So we're not gonna do that. So we're gonna hook to the axle, which is like, oh God, I, it doesn't sound good. But he goes, no, 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 it's where you hook. That's the main thing. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift it up and we're going to just gently pull it out. So we were probably, I was probably 50 feet down the hill, 60 feet down the hill. They hooked the axle, got it up a little bit, and then it took about 15, 20 minutes to just very slowly ease the truck up the hill. They didn't break anything. They didn't dent anything. They didn't mess up the bumper. You know, I was pretty amazed. They got it up, and I was standing there talking to the, the driver while they were working on it. And uh, I was just, you know, again, lamenting how dumb I was. And he was like, hey, you wouldn't believe what we pull out of this place all the time. He said, I don't even do nighttime recovery out here anymore because it is too dangerous. You know, I waited till the next day. It's a good thing you did because we wouldn't have come out. He said, uh, I was out here one night, and, and I go, well, what gets struck? He goes, I'm talking about people getting stuck out here in the dunes. All kinds of trucks, you know, four-wheelers, trucks that shouldn't get stuck, and idiots in OHVs and everything else. And he goes, I came out here one night and came out to do recovery. He goes, I have a six-by-six six army truck that I do recovery out here in the desert with in a storage area out here. And I came out one night, and we were driving, and I thought that we were on level ground. And the next thing you know, I'm nose down. Like, I thought the truck was going to come up over the top of me. So he said, at that point, I'm not doing any more recovery out in the dunes late at night. But yeah, people get stuck out here all the time. But uh, they always tell you, you know, don't beat yourself up. And the, here's the thing. This is the, the thing. I mean, it was kind of a turning point because now I feel like, okay, you know, I've spent 600 bucks. So it was 300 bucks for the tow and, you know, uh, port to port for this huge, you know, semi recovery vehicle, which is the right size for the job. I was really upset and, and, and like it took me a while to sort of integrate this whole experience in my mind. 
And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the second half of this podcast. I've been mentioning and I've been advertising Ryan Plumbing and Heating in St. Paul for many, many, many years and happy to do so. They've been in business for 70 years at that location on University Avenue. So there is very little that they have not seen when it comes to plumbing and heating and air conditioning systems. So when you have plumbing or heating problems or air conditioning problems in the summer in Minneapolis and St. Paul, you want reliable service. That means Ryan Plumbing and Heating. In St. Paul, you call 651-224-4771 in Minneapolis, 612-927-6488. Quality replacement and repair of all plumbing, heating, and air conditioning systems, residential and business. I mentioned uh, in every single one of these ads that they're really hell-bent for leather, so to speak, to get uh, people to realize the efficiency of new toilets or uh, working with your plumbing to make sure that you're using your water efficiently because water bills are going up and the cost of water is going up. If you have a business, you got a bunch of toilets and you're paying a heavy water fee, maybe it's the toilets. So call Ryan and find out more. Ryan Plumbing and Heating. Check them out online at ryanplumbing.com or click on their banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com just wanted to tell the story of getting stuck and 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 how it changed my thinking a little bit so as soon as i got pulled out you know i started feeling better right away but the thing is during the whole period of time that i was you know i slept in the truck up there in the sand and how can i say this i was just really you know irritated about the whole thing. Irritated about the price of fuel. Nothing I can do about that right now. Uh, you know I've been on that like white on rice, you know, just um, trying to figure out where and when this thing's going to roll over and how it's going to roll over, if it's going to roll over. Very irritated with all the analysts and all the things that they say and, and I don't even want to get into that. But I also was, and in a different way now, remain concerned about, well, how are you going to do nomad travel if uh, the price of fuel is what it is? I mean, how are you going to work this out so that you can do this? And the, I mean, the only answer is much shorter distances, longer stays. You have to be more careful about where you go, when you go, how you go, which means even more time spent on the maps, which means no more. And again, this is something that I forget because when I first started, you just went willy nilly wherever you wanted to go. You didn't even think about it. We can't do that anymore because it becomes very expensive to, let's say, go in a big circle. Oh, I forgot I got to go back to Yuma. No, no, none of that anymore. Oh, I forgot I'm going to go back to Quartzsite for this. You have to plot a course and you have to know where you're going. Well, I, here's the thing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't even know. I haven't fully decided yet what kind of travel and where I want to go this summer. All I know right now is, for the most part, it's still too cold up north. I see my friends posting pictures on Instagram and stuff, and they're up in Colorado or they're in northern Nevada, you know, or they're in Oregon someplace, and they all got they got hats and coats on. And I'll tell you one thing that's great about the desert. Even here in the dunes, it's just you have a nice... You know, at sundown, it cools off a little bit. It's maybe, you know, 85 instead of 100. You get your fire going. You have a nice breeze. And then that warm breeze continues through most of the evening. So you can sit out there in front of the fire till midnight if you want. And you're not cold. You don't even need a jacket. You can take your shoes off. 
and uh, just have a tremendously relaxing time because it's warm. I don't want to be cold. I have no interest in being cold. I've talked about that and talked about it and talked. Everybody's like, well, it's not that big of a deal. You just, you know, maybe not for you, but after a lifetime up north, I have no interest in being cold. So I'm kind of just chilling down here. And as Sandy said, well, why do you have to go anywhere? You know, you don't have to go anywhere. You just, you think you do because it's just the momentum of travel and you think you have to go somewhere you don't have to go anywhere you can go to slab city and hang out there for as long as you want you can we can hang out uh, it's off season now so they don't care how long you spend in the blm they're not going to come out and try to enforce a two-week thing so it's very interesting the the, the idea of the momentum and, and and the lessons that you you have to learn again and again and again i have a friend who has a fifth wheel they went up into the mountains and they had posted that they were off the road because it was too windy and he posted a picture of a semi that had been blown over and he said that's a semi that's eighty thousand pounds that was blown over and here we're we're driving a fifth wheel and it and it uh, it was enough that we were like we're done we you have to really be careful out west especially in the spring and now also we're, we're starting to see the fires so now you got to be careful with the fire. Well, of course, out in the desert, we're, we're on a big gravel field. We don't have to worry about it. But, but uh, you know, you start having to worry about it. And you should be worried about having fires and everything else. So I have to sort of think about where I want to go this summer. And I honestly, I don't even know if I want to go up north. Because, again, you're operating on a much more circumscribed level because if you don't, you're going to end up spending a huge amount of money now of course 600 bucks in the hole i don't really want to spend any more money that i don't have to and i don't regret it these are things that happen I, I as i said to somebody after it happened i was like well you know here's the thing i'm not in the hospital the truck didn't turn over it's not it didn't burn these are all things that can happen you know to people um it's not in the river uh, you know, everybody's fine. I still have all my food and all my stuff. And, you know, I'm going to get towed out. And, and now that I'm towed out, I will note for the record, the sand really cleaned off my tires. I'm looking out the window at my tires. Um, and it cleaned off my hubcaps very nicely. My wheel simulators are real shiny because of the sand kind of worked it. So that's kind of neat. And you think, okay, well, at first, I was really ticked off, and now it's like, okay, it's a gear shift. You have to, sh it's like shifting into a higher gear to say, okay, now, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to handle this? Um, my friend uh, Cheryl wrote, it's your, it's your spirit that I, that I really love. The idea that you're going to continue. You're, you're not going to quit. You're going to continue doing this, and you're going to see it through because, you know, that's, that's what I do. That's who I am. I'm not going to quit because I'm I'm because I'm boohooing about getting stuck in the sand because it's going to happen. And these are things you have to plan for. You know, sooner or later you're going to get stuck. Sooner or later there's going to be some kind of fuel or mechanical mishap. Sooner or later you're going to lose a tire. You know, it's just going to happen, and the, and and you have to be prepared for that. And it sucks when it does, but it's something you got to do. Um, my guy that uh, is driving the fifth wheel said, you know, we went in to get, uh, I forget what the issue was, DEF or an, an oil change or something. And uh, he ended up spending some enormous sum of money. They have a, I think they have an F-350 late model Ford to haul the trailer. And they ended up spending, I don't know, 
I, I want to say it was close. It was well over $3,000 to get the things fixed that needed to be fixed. So we're all dealing with that. And we all, I mean, everybody in the country is dealing with some form of struggle based on uh, the fact that prices are so much higher than they were a year ago. We keep our fingers crossed and hope that it will dissipate. I have a million things that I could say about that and have. I'm not going to do it in this podcast. So everyone's dealing with that. I mean, the good news is we don't have to pay rent. But you really have to. And when I say you, I mean me and all my nomad friends. We really have to think about where we're going, how long we're going to be there, what we're going to do when we're there, how many trips we're going to have to make to the store, how far it is from where we are. And you don't want to have to turn around and go back. Especially out here in California, I'd rather not be in California. So I'm going to be making my way northeast to hopefully get into Nevada at some point, which is a little bit better. I've traveled all over Arizona. I don't need really to go back to Arizona. But anywhere out here, elevated gas prices. So, uh, you know, you, you, you almost want to get... Colorado starts looking like a place you want to go because it's cheaper gas, you know, or whatever. Um, not particularly and oddly enough interested in uh, the Midwest this time around. So I'll probably continue to head north through and stay uh, kind of up in the mountains, uh, up through Colorado and then Wyoming and Idaho and places like that, and then figure out if I'm just going to turn around and come back down. But we're going to be we're going to be spending time in uh, some of these places because. And also, I got to mention this too, this is important. Suddenly the whole BLM thing becomes really important where you can camp for $7 a day or you can uh, be, be there for free. And this becomes a challenge because outside of Arizona and California and to a lesser extent Nevada, a lot of the free campgrounds are somewhat difficult to get to. And after the getting stuck experience, I don't know how many you know, difficult mountain roads, forestry roads that I that I necessarily want to be on after that experience. So we'll just have to see how it goes. But I have to remind myself that uh, setbacks, difficulties, and mistakes are part of the deal. You just have to hope that you don't and try not to make really stupid, fatal mistakes, you know, uh, dangerous mistakes in the campgrounds you choose, in the places that you go, in the people that you deal with. There's a whole bunch of things like that that you just have to be careful you don't make stupid mistakes. Generally speaking, I've had good luck. I've had good luck and I've gotten out of scrapes that I shouldn't have been able to get out of. Like, for example, when I was in the BLM in Nevada and popped a tire and ended up driving 38 miles into, uh, well, they call it, Eli apparently they call it Eli, but it's Ely because I know about Ely, Minnesota. Somebody said it's Eli, uh, Nevada, which is a great little town. Uh, and, I, you know, I got there and, and I, uh, she came out and she was like, well, that tire's fried. And I was like, well, I know. You know, what else could I do? And she goes, well, you got to do what you got to do. The fact is you're lucky that you could get down the mountain, you know, without too much difficulty with, uh, with one tire. And it hadn't been for the fact that I have dualies. I, I don't know that I would have um, made it down the mountain, but I did. So I had some pretty good luck there. And believe me, I was praying the whole way. <laughs> so, and this is the same thing. You know, I, I, I'm digging the truck out. And I'm th I said, you know, I'm going to need a little help with this. And really, I didn't get any. I had to pay for the tow. But I did get a good tow. And uh, they were great. 
it's funny how you become very attached to your your toe guy. You know, you're <laughs> he was the greatest guy because he got me out and everything else. You know, the situation they're in. But it's just, you know, setbacks. And these are palpable examples of setbacks. Sometimes in life we have, obviously we all have setbacks in life that are unexpected or the result of something stupid. People, as I have said, people die, people make mistakes, people get hurt, people have issues. And, you know, you have to adjust to that. You know, you have to go help, you have to, whatever. I mean, this is life. This is life on life's terms, literally. So there's going to be setbacks and there's going to be issues. You just want to try to minimize them if you can. And again, if you've been stationary for a long time, it's almost like you have to learn all these dumb lessons that you learned. Uh, you know, I have to, you have to start all over again, learning your lessons. You have to figure out where you're going, how you're going to get there. You know, you have to use the maps. Been a long time since I had to look at a map to tell you the truth. So, I mean, you know, four or five months, been most of the winter. So that's where we're at now. That's the status report of uh, being stuck in the sand uh, and, uh, and, and yet enjoying myself immensely because guess what? I said I wanted an adventure. Oh, it's time for a new adventure. So we're well off into our new adventure. So let's talk about fitness. So out here in the desert, I don't have any problem doing yoga. It was 100 degrees yesterday and a sandstorm was blowing up and I just finished yoga in time. And I've got this RV mat thing that I practice on and the sun is shining on the RV mat in the afternoon. It's 100 degrees. And just as I finished, the, the wind blew up the sand and the mat literally came up over the top of my head and the sand blew in. It was like, <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, when is this going to end? Like, how long am I going to be stuck in this mat with this wind blowing? Finally, it came down. We got everything settled. But it just shows you the perils of of, of trying to maintain any kind of a, a practice outside. So I always mention BU Enterprises because they're doing uh, helping people be free, uh, helping people get back in their bodies, helping people with breathing and things of that nature using modern tools. So if you uh, are Zoom bound, if you are home bound, if you are work bound where you're in an office, most of the time these days, people are so busy, they don't have time to exercise and it makes such a difference. Check out BU Enterprises at buenterprises.com. They have all kinds of programs. Juliet there has all these programs. And if you want to, you can sign up for pieces of the program or the whole program. You get a discount if you enter B.O.B. Bob for the Bob Davis podcast. And she can help you. She can also do groups. So if you have a whole work group and you guys want to do your exercise together, you can do it via Zoom. Click on the banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com that says BU Enterprises. and uh, Or you can check them out online at buenterprises.com. Thanks again for listening to podcast 1049, the Bob Davis podcasts. We'll see what happens from here. But like I said, we're off on our new adventure. Thanks for listening to podcast 1049, the Bob Davis podcasts. <gasps> Time for a nap. Poop.
Trouble.